0: Everybody, you're listening to Christ Fellowship based in Northeast Florida. We believe that we are broken by life, healed by His grace, and lifted together. Join us as we dive into God's Word together each week. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 12. And I'm going to ask you to not immediately be offended because in general, anytime I hear a pastor read this verse to me, I look at him like, well, I guess I'm going to another church or I want to punch you in the nose or, or something like that. Because it's not exactly the most comfortable of verses. So book of Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a child. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you see why I asked you not to be offended immediately. It sounds like what I'm going to talk about today is that you're a child, or you're incoherent, or you don't really understand things. That's not really what I'm going at today. Alright, now there might be a little bit of that, because the reality is, is that if you go into the book of Peter, Peter seems to say something that is completely contradictory. We've got the Hebrew writer writing here, and he says, you need solid food. You can't live on milk. In fact, any of you still only eat milk now that you're an adult? No? It wouldn't work for you. You need more than just milk. You need meat. You need protein. Well, if you're vegan, I don't know how you get your protein. But you need all of those things inside of you. You need iron, calcium, vitamin D, everything that is necessary to make your body thrive. We understand this in the natural, but when it comes to the spiritual, we seem to lose that because we get confused as we go between writers. You've got the Hebrew writer. You need solid food. You need something to chew on, something that your teeth can cut through. And then you go to Peter who says, desire the pure milk of the word like little babies. So who's right and who's wrong? Am I supposed to be a child? Am I supposed to always live on milk? Am I supposed to be an adult? Am I supposed to grow up in Christ and have some maturity on me? And what ends up happening is we get so lost in the mix that we get frustrated or we get paralyzed by the confusion. And we end up just going to church week in and week out and saying, all right, pastor, what have you got to preach today? Now, mind you, there's nothing wrong with coming to church and expecting your pastor or whatever church you go to if you're visiting a different one, and expecting whoever is preaching that day to have spent time with God that week to try and hear what God has to say and try and understand how God wants to say it to the people that that pastor is preaching to that week. There is nothing wrong with coming to a church and expecting that the pastor has spent time so that that pastor can deliver something from God that is amenable to your soul so that it feels as though you have been satisfied. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem becomes is that because we get so lost in, well, what do I do? How do I do this? Am I a baby? Am I an adult? I don't even know where I'm at. Am I a teenager? Back and forth. We end up only relying on Sunday or Wednesday night. Now, sometimes that's out of laziness. Sometimes that's out of confusion. Whichever category you fall into, that's between you and God. I'm not going to call us lazy. I'm not going to call us confused. I'm just going to call us trying to figure out how to make it work. Because anybody in here, knows what it is to be hungry. Now, I don't mean starving. I doubt any of us actually have grown up and know what it is to be starving. I mean we understand what it is to be hungry. And sometimes in a very wealthy country like the United States, when we get really hungry, we get angry because we haven't eaten for the past 20 seconds. And so we've got to get something else. If you ever are around Christina and she is hungry, Go the other way. Now, I can't do that because I'm married, and I have to be the lion tamer, and I have to go and hunt for food and give it to her so that the rest of the world is not devoured. But when she gets hungry, once she tells me, I'm hungry, it is too late. I have waited too long. I've not fed her enough. The fury and wrath of her eyes begins to burn, and my life and Judah's life and Leo's life is forfeit if we don't get food to her quickly. Now, I can say that because she has looked at me after I've gotten her food or after she's gone and gotten food. And she's looked at me and said, I'm really sorry. I was very mean when I was hungry. And it's like, yes, you were. Now, I don't have a lot of room to talk. Because if you talk to my parents, when I was growing up and I lived in their house and I was a teenager, I used to wrestle. Now, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, but I used to weigh 135. That is a very slender version of me that I don't think I will ever In my life, see again, nor do I want to because in order to get there, I had to eat very little. I could only eat just as much as would sustain my body and build some type of muscle and make it strong, but I had to let go of anything else. So there was never a meal that I left at the table when I was growing up wrestling where I said, I'm full. I'm satisfied. Every time I was done eating, it was because someone else told me I was done eating. I'd go back for a second steak and my mom would be, you're done eating. You've already had one. I was like, I'm still hungry. She said, it doesn't matter. You have to weigh 135. And I said, I don't wanna wrestle anymore. Well, she said, tough, you need a scholarship because we can't afford college. So I guess I'm wrestling and not eating food for the rest of my, I would get so mad. I had friends who wouldn't talk to me in high school. I looked like the Unabomber. I would put on my black sweatpants. I would put on my black hoodie for wrestling. And I would just walk through school all day, hood down, bitter, thinking about Pop-Tarts and ice cream. I was bitter and angry that I couldn't have all the junk food in the world that I wanted. We kind of get mean when we're hungry, don't we? Why haven't you fed me yet? When's dinner? You ever hear that from kids if you had them growing up? I'm hungry. When do we get to eat? And you look at them like you just ate a snack five minutes ago. Wait. I'm hungry. I need something. Judah will come up to me and throw himself on the floor. But, Dad, I'm so hungry. And then he'll start leaning over the couch and he'll hang there like a boneless chicken. Dad, I need food. And then Leo. The vocal one of the bunch, we had to put a lock, by the way, on our pantry door. Because that boy does not wait for food. He will tell you one time, snack. And if you don't answer that one time, he will go and get it himself. So I took a doorknob. And I switched it inside out so there was a lock, and I locked it. And that worked for about two days. And then he figured out how to unlock that lock. And one time I was doing some work, and I come back in, and all of a sudden he's eating a snack that I didn't give him, And I look at one of the shelves, and it's on the ground. I was like, oh, my goodness, how are you alive? Because the snack he got was on the top shelf. Thank goodness the only shelf he broke on the way up was the bottom shelf. And so now I had to go and get some type of latch that he can't reach. So now he comes to the door and says, Dada, applesauce, snack, eat something. And he starts getting angry because he's pulling on the door, and he's yanking and pulling. And I'm looking at this little plastic latch I have up there. I was like, it's only a matter of time before he becomes strong enough to break it. I wonder what would happen if that's how we approached God. See, the reality is is that Jesus is very clear in the word. When Satan comes up to him in the middle of the desert, Jesus is hungry, by the way, 40 days, 40 nights, no food. I don't know how he did it. I wouldn't want to do a fast for 40 days. I get angry after a fast for five hours, let alone 40 days. I don't know how he did that. And at the end of the 40 days of no food, Satan comes up to him and says, if you're the son of God, Just make some rocks into bread. Why are you so hungry? You you understand how much willpower that would take to exercise? See, if I'm fasting, all I have to do is walk out of the kitchen. That's pretty easy. Just leave the kitchen, and I'm not going to... What do you do if you're all-powerful God? And every time you look at something, you can just turn it into whatever you want. I will tell you this. I would be the size of a hippopotamus if I had that power. Because every time I'd get hungry, I would just walk over to an apple, and I'd turn it into a piece of cake. Every time I got hungry, I would open the fridge, and I'd pull out an orange, and I'd turn it into ice cream. I would never have any need of any delicious food that I wanted. Jesus, at the end, starving borderline unable to function anymore. And Satan says, I don't understand. You're Almighty God, right? Make some food. And Jesus looks at him and says, not bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You ever wonder how that works? Jesus is starving. Rocks aren't going to feed him. And God hasn't said, you're ready to eat yet. Dad hasn't said, you can go ahead and break the fast. And Satan comes along and says, listen, you're almost to the end. Just go ahead and break the fast. Make these rocks into bread so you don't starve to death. I can't believe God would want you to starve to death. And Jesus looks at him and says, you don't understand what's sustaining me right now. Yes, the physical body needs food. Yes, the physical body needs nourishment. But the only reason I've been able to sustain for 40 days and 40 nights without food is not because I have a stalwartness about me, is not because I have enough fat on my body that my body could just eat away at itself for 40 days. The only reason I have been able to subsist and substantiate my body as I have gone these 40 days in hunger as my body has ached and craved is because I've been talking to God this whole time, and man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Preacher, how in the world does that work? You ever notice that sometimes it feels like you come to church, you have a really good time, everybody's there, you enjoy talking to them, everything's fantastic, you have had a wonderful sermon, the preacher has been awesome. No one That would have been a good spot to say amen. The preacher's been awesome, and he's given you something, and you think, that was a good word. I feel as though he has fed me something from the word of God. And then you leave church. Sunday goes great. You wake up Monday. You're still thinking about the sermon. That was a good sermon. It was just what I needed. Everything feels great. And then all of a sudden, Tuesday rolls around. And you feel anxiety start to set in again. Or you feel chaos start to set in again. Or you start to remember things that are difficult in your life. Or the trauma that you thought you were over starts to creep back in and ail you again. Or the argument that you had recently starts to bother you again that you had with someone. And you start to think to yourself, but Sunday I was great. I wasn't thinking about those things. My anxiety wasn't bothering me. My chaos didn't feel like it was out of control. I felt like everything was coming down and settling into peace. I thought everything was good. Monday you still felt good. You woke up. Good service. Good sermon. Why is it getting like this? And it's because we forget that it's not one day a week that you eat. Can you imagine? imagine living like that go home today go to Willie Jules buy a pound and a half of brisket don't get anything else you don't need anything else their brisket's delicious buy a pound and a half of brisket and eat that and then don't eat any more the rest of the week until next Sunday and they'll you understand what will happen to your body Now, because you put a lot of food in it on Sunday, you're going to be okay for a little bit, but slowly throughout the week, your body's going to begin to decay because the only way the body can survive is if you put nutrients in it, is if you put things in that can help it survive. That's why people who go on crash diets and cut out all food out of their body actually end up putting on more weight when they are done with the diet because the body assumes that it's starving. And so as it is starving and decaying, it becomes desperate to have anything as it goes along. So when they finally reintroduce food, the body gets so desperate that it grabs everything it can and will not let go of anything and they end up ballooning back up. If you want to lose weight, you've got to keep on eating. You have to add nutrients into your body so that as you're going through the process of losing weight or formatting your body in a certain way it is still being sustained as you go but we try and treat church like a crash diet. I'll just come in I'll eat on Sunday that'll be good pastor you go ahead and feed me that's fantastic and then Monday it'll be good and then we go the rest of the week and we never eat again and then we come walking into church exhausted beat up Legitimate problems, by the way, too. This is not an issue of about, well, you're so weak, just get over it. Just get over the anxiety. I can't believe you have so little faith that you can't trust God to take care of your situation. I can't believe that you're so weak in your faith of God that you can't even let him sustain you. It's not about about you being weak of faith. It's not about you being a bad Christian. It's not about you being an awful Christian. It's not about you being mature enough. It's the fact that nobody survives on one meal a week. And we treat the Word of God as though the only time we're going to eat is when we come together as a body. Preacher, what you got for us today? And I serve it up, and we eat it, and we go home. The rest of the week settles in. You understand most of the reasons that we struggle through the week isn't because we're bad Christians. See, some of you think you have a problem with certain sins that you can't seem to get over because you're just a bad Christian. You're a weak Christian. Or you don't trust God enough. Some of you think that the reason that you feel as though you're losing your mind and you cannot get a grip on it is because you feel like, well, I don't have enough faith that God can heal my mind. I don't have enough belief that God can help me with what's going on. Some of you feel as though your relationships are falling apart or your friendships are falling apart or you're losing things at work or whatever it is in your life because you think to yourself and end up believing in yourself, I must be a bad Christian. God must God must not love me. God must think I'm not his favorite. God must have just shoved me off to the side. That's why he's not giving me anything. And I don't have enough faith to get through this. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough love, joy, peace. I must be an awful Christian. And we limp into church every Sunday. Pastor, why is it so bad? It's not because you're bad. It's because you're starving. It's not because you messed up. It's because the body can't function when it's got nothing to sustain it. It's not that you're such an awful Christian that you've just messed everything up throughout your week. That God has looked at you with disdain and shame and disgust and said, I want nothing to do with you. Figure it out on your own. It's that God every day has been setting out a plate for us to eat. But most of the time, rather than coming to the table of God and saying, God, I think I'm going to feed myself today instead of waiting for Sunday. We go throughout the week starving. Now remember what I said, there's nothing wrong with coming to church expecting your pastor to serve you a good meal. I like going out to eat sometimes, don't you? I like going to a good restaurant. I like going to a good restaurant where they've got good barbecue. And I don't necessarily have to have it be a fancy restaurant, but what I do like is when the server comes up to me, and they hand me a menu. And right as I'm about to look at that menu, they say, are you interested in some of our barbecue specials tonight? And the answer is always yes. Yes. Because you can smell it as you walk in before you even get into that room. You can smell that they've been cooking that stuff for the past 48, 62, 79, 137 hours, however long they have been smoking that and you want someone to tell you about it. Don't worry about the menu. What have you got to tell me? And then they start going through the specials. Well, tonight we have a wonderful dinner. It has been smoked for the past 48 hours. We started this thing back at 6 a.m. two days ago and it is just now getting to perfect tenderness. It is pulled pork, by the way, if you can't have pork i'm sorry may the lord bless you and redeem you from your sorrows i don't know how you live without good pulled pork it's delicious and then they start going we have an awesome sauce that we can put over it. we've got some carolina gold oh we've got some tennessee barbecue and all the and they start describing all you understand what you do when you come to church I'm your server. You walk in and you sit down and all of you pick up your menu. The Bible. But rather than make you have to go through and figure out what you ought to be eating today, I start giving you the specials of the day. Whatever God has asked me to do. And I start going through every single thing and every passage and every aspect of it. And I start describing all the things that God has done in this and what it means and how it can apply for your life. And hopefully when you leave church, you leave satisfied finding something that you could not have cooked up yourself at home. See, that's really the main reason you go out to eat. It's not just because you don't feel like feeding yourself. It's because you're going to an expert on something that you could not have fed yourself at home. Now keep in mind, just because that person is an expert at cooking one dish doesn't make him an expert at the whole dish. Some of you missed the metaphor. Just because I can preach some things that you might not have found on your own or that God might not have revealed to you does not mean that I know every single thing that God wants to reveal to you. That's why nobody in this room is gonna go out to eat one time a week and then go home and just stare at the bed frame for the next six days waiting for the next time they go out to eat. No, you're gonna wake up and you're gonna cook yourself breakfast or maybe you'll just grab a Pop-Tart or whatever it is from the fridge or the pantry. Then you're gonna go ahead and make yourself lunch. Maybe it's a sandwich maybe you go out somewhere else. To eat. Then you're going to go ahead and have dinner. Most of us in here will probably cook dinner for ourselves tonight. Then you're going to cook dinner for yourself the next day. Then you're going to do, do you see what's happening right now? You don't go to a restaurant and then expect the restaurant to sustain you every single day thereafter. You go there to get something special that you can't get on your own and then when that's done, then you go back home and you start feeding yourself. You want to know why most of us struggle most of our lives as Christians? we go to a restaurant, we get something special, it tastes delicious, and then we go home and we never eat again. Pick up your Bible and read it. Take some time and pray. You are not a bad Christian. You're just starving yourself. You're not so messed up that God just says, I guess you're going to struggle through life. You're just starving. You're not so awful That God has decided he's going to punish you with every single trial and tribulation so that he can fix all the mess that you've been in the past. And so he can say, remember all those awful things you did? Now it's time to pay the price. You're starving. The fact of the matter is most of us in here, I would even say all of us, have some type of trauma or some type of pain or some type of sorrow, either from our past or in our present, that we feel as though we can't escape. And most of the time, most of the time, most of the time when it feels as though it never improves is because we just starve ourselves the whole time. God doesn't want you to starve. Preacher, how long am I supposed to eat? How long am I supposed to read the Bible? How long am I supposed to pray? Until you've had a meal. I guarantee almost no one in here, I don't know, I've not been out to eat with all of you, but almost no one in here eats like I do. And God help you if you do, because nobody in here, as far as I know, is as hyperactive as I am. Not everybody in here eats like me. God help you if you do. You don't need the same things I do. In fact, the body is so unique that if you were to eat the same things that I eat and you're trying to be healthy, it might actually harm your body. Let me use Colette as an example. She's not here today, but she would be okay with this. By the way, if you want to have vegan food that is actually good tasting, ask Colette. Tracy's gotten really good at it too, but so far she's got gluten-free stuff on lockdown, and that is delicious as well. I don't know where she's at with the vegan stuff yet, but with Colette, it was great. She told us she was vegan, and then we went over to her house one night for dinner, and she made some food, and I just walked in like, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how you can enjoy life and not eat meat. Like, I'm okay with vegetarians, because at least they'll still eat milk. Milk. Like, all right, you got milk. That's good. You can have ice cream. You can still have the best things that God has created. I don't understand vegans. Nothing from an animal. So no milk? No. Milk comes from a carton, though. That's my argument to them. They don't like it when I say that. So we go in, and I know there's going to be no meat. There's going to be no milk. And I sit down at the table with fear and terror in my mind, thinking this is going to be the most boring, awful meal I ever had. I don't even know what they fed me that night. What I do know is that she didn't have to ask me if I wanted seconds. When I was done, I got up and went and got seconds. And then when I was done that, I went and got thirds. And then I went and got fourth. She gave me a small bowl. I don't know why. But that's why I had more than four. It was delicious. Now, if you ask her, why she eats vegan. She's not going to give you a conversation of she's so worried about the cows. I don't like how they're treated. I don't enjoy seeing all the chickens locked up in cages. I don't like seeing that. Which, by the way, if you don't like that, then don't visit a farm. Just go to the store and buy the dead thing already and eat it. She doesn't give me the, oh, I just want them to be treated ethically. I just want this to be an okay thing. I don't want the cow to feel pain. It's a person too. It has feelings. And-. That's not why. She'll even say, I miss steak. I look at her I was like, why do you? Why do you hate yourself by eating vegan then? She says, because every, every other thing that I eat outside of this diet makes me physically sick. Now, for me, if I ate vegan, my body would waste away it just can't sustain it. I have more muscle mass than Colette and I'm not saying that people who eat vegan can't build muscle mass but I build muscle mass at a much more exponential rate than most people partially because of my genetics, partially because my dad always made me work out with him when I was a child because I don't know what I did to offend him but he made me and then partially because of all the meat that I eat. I devour that stuff. If I were to cut those things out of my diet all of a sudden my body would begin to decay and atrophy and begin to take a different shape. The thing that I'm going for in my person is different than the thing that Colette needs so that she can sustain her body. What's the point? You don't need to worry about how much someone else prays or how much someone else reads the Bible or what version of the Bible they read. And so you have to do the exact same thing. If Colette were to try and eat the same meals that I eat, it would harm her body physically. If I were to try and eat the same things that she eats, it would cause my body to decay. Rather, when it comes time to eat, I look at what my body needs and then I go to the nutrients of the things that I'm about to eat and I sit down. And I consumed that. Stop worrying about the person who said, why don't you read a chapter a day? Why don't you read five chapters a day? Why don't you pray for five hours a day? Rather than worrying about how someone else eats, why don't you worry about God how you want me to eat today? We beat ourselves up because we think, all I can, I've only read one. Do you understand that some of the best times I've ever had sitting down and having a meal with God was when I read one verse? Now, it was awkward. I did not like it. I read one verse, and then I felt like he said, you're done. I was like, like, done, done? He's like, yeah, go about your day. I was like, oh, aren't I supposed to read more? He said, you can. I don't have anything else to say to you outside of this one verse. You can enjoy the other things in there if you want to go through the pantry. But the only thing that you actually need right now is it. and I argued back and forth with God, back and forth with God, until he finally said, who do you think knows you better, me or you? Trick question. I didn't answer it, and I said, just go on with your point, God. He's like, I know what you need today to survive. You don't need everything else in there. You just need that one verse. One of the fastest meals I've ever had, and for some reason, one of the smoothest days I've ever had. I know you've experienced that with real food, too. Because Thanksgiving comes every year. And it doesn't matter how healthy that food is at that table. We all just sit there and we gorge and gorge because it's so delicious and we're with family and it's what the founding fathers would have wanted. They want us to go into a food coma. It doesn't matter how good or healthy it is. We eat it until all of a sudden we make ourselves pass out from all the tryptophan in that turkey. And then we wake up feeling sick to ourselves because we've gorged so much, even though it might have been good food. We've shoved so much in there that it caught... Co- Do you understand you can overindulge in how you go about reading the word? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that the word is wrong. I'm saying that you can get so caught up in the attitude of, I've got to read, I've got to read, I've got to pray, I've got to pray, that you forget to actually listen to the one who's trying to talk to you while you pray, that you forget to actually try and let the Holy Spirit begin to talk to you while you're reading. You, get, you become so consumed with this idea that if I don't read it this much, and if I don't pray this long, then it's worthless to me. And even though it's healthy, what we end up doing is turning ourselves into Christian comatose food people. Now, if God wants you to sit there for 24 hours and read the word. Read it. But if He says you're done after two verses, you're done. You think He doesn't understand what you need to make it through the day? You think He doesn't understand what you need to sustain your soul? You think He doesn't understand what's necessary so that the chaos of your mind becomes settled? So that the anxiety that seems to grip your heart in such a physical way that it feels as though your lungs are going to collapse on themselves, as though your throat is locking up. You think that God doesn't understand what you need so much that your relationships are falling apart, that he can't speak to that thing with one word, that he can't feed your soul and sustain it with one verse more than you and I ever could if we were to read the Bible cover to cover. I don't understand how it works. It infuriates me but there are days where I read the Bible and it feels as though I have gotten nothing. And then there's days where I read the Bible and it feels as though heaven itself has opened up. Let me explain something, nobody likes eating vegetables. I don't know if I pronounced that right, it's a weird word. I'm sure my dad, if you were here, he'd correct me. Does anybody actually like that? Don't raise your hand if you're a freak and you actually like eating them. Pat Kiani, Nanny Helen, are you insane? There's so many better things out there for you. Now I don't mean if you cook it well and you slather it in butter and then you put Parmesan cheese on it and all. I mean like raw vegetable. Let me just go ahead and take a head of broccoli and chomp into it. That looks like a happy person, doesn't it? Have you ever seen someone? At the table of all the snacks with the veggie tray there in the middle, and they just walk over, and a brownie's right there, and a piece of broccoli's there, and they just go, You know, I'm gonna get my favorite food at this table. And they go over and they grab that raw broccoli. <sighs> they just look like some type of meerkat chewing on its food. <laughs> it's, I don't have the right taste buds, Pat, all right? <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't, Christina's a great cook, so I don't mind eating vegetables when she does it. It's actually really good. Plus, she also doesn't like a lot of vegetables, so she makes them away the way that she likes them too, so I get a pass. But you understand that sometimes there's going to be food that you don't like to eat. But if you want your body to feel whole, you're going to eat it anyways. There's going to be days where it feels like, God, why aren't you saying anything to me? Why is it I'm reading your word and it's nothing? You're eating vegetables or whatever food that's healthy for you that you don't like. If you like vegetables, then maybe those are the good days for you. I don't know. There's going to be days where you sit down at the table with the Father and you open that Bible or you start to pray and it feels as dry as a desert. But I promise you this, if you eat anyways, it'll sustain you until the next time that you sit down with a meal. And it might be the next day, it might be that evening, it might be a week later. It'll continue to sustain you and strengthen you until when you finally sit down and God says, I've got something special tonight. Preacher, what does any of this have to do with the verse? The main part of Hebrews chapter 5, when you talk about you need solid food or you need milk, the real main part of that whole exchange is when the author says, why do you need someone to still feed you? There's nothing wrong, like I said, coming to church, and you ought to come to church and be faithful because there are things that you're not going to be able to cook up for yourself that God asks me to cook up on your behalf and serve to you so that you can have that. But if that's what you rely on, if that's your whole lifeline, you will walk through life spiritually starving. And the point the author makes there is why are you relying on someone to feed you? Have you not figured out? He's not saying figure out how to make a five course meal. He's not saying how to figure out how to go through every single thing in there. In fact, he even says the maturity in this is being able to figure out what is good and what is evil. Does anybody really have a problem with that in here? Not knowing what is good and evil? And let me explain. It's a little bit more nuanced than some of us like to say because good is anything that looks like God and evil is anything that doesn't look like him. That's a much more different conversation than, well, don't murder and don't do this and don't do... No. Anything that makes you look like God good anything that makes you look less like God evil which means if you playing a guitar makes you look less like God guess what for you that thing is evil the whole aspect of you being able to sit down and feed yourself to be able to discern what is good and evil is all about coming to the word coming to God in prayer and saying God what makes me look more like you that's it no list of rules no list of why you're a bad person No list of how you can be a good person. Exclusively, God, what in here today is going to make me look more like you? And what in my life do I need to set aside that would try and make me look less like you? That's it. And you cannot form a spiritual body on just one day a week. Or even two days a week if you come on a Wednesday night. If you're really spiritual. It's not gonna work. The best athletes in the world. This blew my mind Michael Phelps. I don't remember how many gold medals he has. But the man is a freak of nature when it comes to physical fitness. I just don't understand it. He's got a wingspan like an albatross. He has back muscles that look like they're the part of Batman's cape with how big those muscles are. It's massive. And then he talks about what he has to eat. 5,000 calories a day. Do you know what that is? In healthy food. I'm not talking about like where you can get 5,000 calories out of a bowl of ice cream. That's easy. You know how hard it is to get 5,000 calories a day eating things like chicken and broccoli and rice? A serving of broccoli is 60 calories. A serving of chicken is 120 calories. You know how much food that, I mean that is an insurmountable mountain of food that he has to eat but because that's what it costs to turn his body into a machine that can generate gold metal after gold metal after gold metal. He said, I'm not going to eat this other garbage. I'm going to get everything inside of me necessary to produce the body that creates the type of success that i'm shooting for at some point you're going to have to begin eating the word in such a way that is necessary to create the type of spiritual body that will give you a success in life not measured in how good your relationships are not measured in how good your friendships are not measured in how much money you have not measured how much in people like you but measured in one thing exclusively god do i look more like you today than I did yesterday. That's it. You look for anything more, you'll find yourself frustrated. You'll find yourself overwhelmed. And all the while, God is saying, if you would just sit down and have a meal with me, things would be much simpler.